From Brandeis University, welcome to Recall This Book, where we assemble scholars and writers from different disciplines to make sense of contemporary issues, problems, and events. Specifically, uh, welcome to Recall This B-Side, which is a short series of conversations that we are undertaking as a companion piece to B-Side Books, an edited collection out from Columbia University Press this June. Okay, so hello. Today I am a guest host, a ghost, a host <laughs> guest, and my guest host today is none other than RTB's own Elizabeth Ferry. Ferry, hello. Hello. So, I mean, you need no introduction, but maybe I will say by way of tiny introduction that among your many other hats as an anthropologist, you are interested in the ethnography of mining towns and mining communities in Latin America, though not in Brazil. So that's a maybe a connection to today's book. But I will just say that you are here to talk about your B-side, which you originally published in uh, public books in 2018. And a B-side is really a very recall this book kind of thing. It is a book that was kicked to the curb, thrown prematurely onto the ash heap of history. So for three years of public books, um, we have been commissioning writers to sing the praises of these odd volumes that missed their appointment with posterity. So the idea today with the June publication of uh, B-Side Books as a volume is to invite a few of the B-Side authors on to talk about their choices and also what lay beneath them. So Elizabeth Ferry, tell us about your fabulous B-Side book. Hey, John. Uh, hey, everyone. Uh, yeah, the book that I wrote about is, and, and the title is an exact description of what it is. It's called The Diary of Helena Morley. And it's a translation of a diary of a girl in sort of late, late childhood, early adolescence um, in the gold and diamond mining town of Diamantina in Minas Gerais in Brazil. It's a translation of Elizabeth Bishop. And uh, I guess that's where the B-side aspect comes in, right? So this is something that is kind of a sideline on her, on what she's especially known for. Um, she lived in, in Brazil for some time and uh, was captivated by this book and produced the first, and as far as I know, the only translation of it into English. And she also has an introduction, which kind of gets at some of the very poignant and uh, sort of the things that grab you about the book. So, I mean, one of the things that I liked about it or what made me choose it, aside from the very immediate thing, which is the depiction of this mining town at this particular moment of history. And as you said, John, I, I love that. Um, I, I just think the relationship between mining and um, cities and towns and settlements and um, the ways in which mining is kind of embedded within those is totally fascinating, um, both in, you know, um, cosmological, architectural, political, economic, all those different senses. But also um, the way in which it captures this voice of this, this girl, and then the way in which it kind of has these ongoing lives, right? So it's sort of like the original diary, the moment of the original diary that it's talking about, the moment moments of its publication, the moment of Elizabeth Bishop translating it, and then for me, and I mentioned this at the end of the piece, um, me reading it in the 1990s when I was doing my dissertation field work while in a mining town. And, um, and actually one of the ways in which I kind of um, found a place in that town was by offering free English classes to kids. And a lot of the hmm. kids who took advantage of it were 
girls just around the same age, or maybe a little bit younger than Helena Morley at this time, and who were the children of minors. So, um, so me reading it then, and then me reading it in order to, to write the thing. So something about that kind of recursion is really fascinating. Yeah, that's actually something you write about in the piece that really comes through. You quote um, Bishop's translation. No, you both, sorry, Bishop's introduction, in which he says, some of the people in the diary are still alive, and the successors of those who are dead and gone seem very much cut from the same cloth. And she describes looking at these little uniformed girls um, carrying satchels of books, pressing their noses against the dining room windows of the new hotel, overcome with fits of giggling at seeing the foreigner eat her lunch. So in other words, there's a kind of recursion there where Bishop herself feels that the diary is uh, a window into the past that also helps her understand the present. And you're describing, for you, reading it, you had the same kind of window into the past that's also a window yes, into the present exactly, feeling. Exactly, and actually, I mean, one of the sort of sweetest moments of my entire, you know, first time in this town was um, uh, that my parents came to visit and and there was one, one little girl um, who really liked me. I mean, she just, she just was very, you know, in the ways that little girls do with adult women sometimes. And we, we had a lovely time together. And, mm -hmm. and um, uh, so the Sunday came, my classes were on Sunday and, and my mother and father came to, to visit class and, and uh, this little girl, Dani was not there. And I was surprised, right? Like, yeah. I thought she was. She, um, yeah. And, you know, we went on and whatever. And then about halfway through the class, she, like a knock on the door and, and I open it and and yeah. she's totally red um running yeah and she has a little bouquet of flowers that she's picked um she's out of breath that she wanted to give my mother yeah um during this thing Aww. and she's like happy but upset <laughs> because she's late and it was like yeah. very um it was a great moment and uh, and she's in her uniform school uniform um and you know she doesn't have a leather satchel she has like a sailor moon backpack or something but um but yeah yeah history history can rhyme i think Seamus yeah. Heaney says you know so it's like the the rhyming um uh so so wait elizabeth i want to back up to the point about the other elizabeth elizabeth bishop being a this is a b-side for her because you're totally right that's one of the aspects of the column we really like is that we take book, you know, someone who might be famous for a totally different kind of writing, and we notice that they've mm -hmm. also done this other thing. And so Bishop is a poet. Do, can you talk about that? Like, is this, does this feel like a poet's piece of prose or? Yeah. She's yeah. a wonderful poet. I mean, she's a very self-voiced poet, yeah, but, you know, I mean, kind of of the Robert Lowell yeah, generation. And, and very, yeah. um, there's something about the way in which moments are captured in the, in the text. Uh, in the diary of Helena Morley. Now, obviously she's, and this gets into interesting questions that also have to do with recursion, which is what is the difference between translating something and then writing something that, that is not in conversation with another text, like a, in another language, um, which is its own form of recursion. Uh, but, um, right. but there's something about the specificity of the moments that feels very much like some of the bishop poems, right? So, so I'm thinking of the one, I think it's called The Fish, right? Um, you know, yeah. it's about catching a fish and um, has this, you know, sort of deep ordinary-ness to it. Um, and yet a kind of horrible miracle at the end of it, right? Like this, you know, seeing the fish caught 
and um, its scales and its mouth and its presence. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. I was thinking about the one that's called, I think, Sandpiper, mm -hmm. which is like the looking at the image of the tiny little jeweled bits of sand. But you're right. Yeah, yeah. the fish is a great example because it's so vivid. And it's gr it, she has a wonderful line from what from I think the harbor. She says, "All the untidy activity continues, awful but cheerful." And I feel like she's good at yeah. awful but cheerful. Yeah. You know, like it's yeah, both yeah, exactly, yeah. And yeah. and in the fish, it's not so much cheerful; it's like awful but miraculous or joyful. Yeah. Um, uh -huh. And uh, you know, I mean, if we're gonna really be, I mean, another way to think about it is also her poem Crusoe in England. Um, and the idea of displacement in that and the way in which he's sort of, you know, um, just kind of imagining Robinson Crusoe back and how um, there's a feeling of alienation in the, in the thing, but, it, but it's in this sort of highly descriptive uh, mode. So I would guess, I would say that those are the ways in which um, I feel the kind of bishopness. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's a kind of in in place, but out of place. And that's such a nice way to think also about your own description of your like ethnographic time abroad, where you clearly have this, you know, you have these cozy, familiar relations. And yet on some other level, right. you know, you're right. out of place. Yeah. And, then, like and, yeah. and also the sort of noticing yeah. that, that the noticing that Bishop does in poetry is I would describe kind of ethnographic. Yeah. So, so Elizabeth, you've really sort of talked through the our two big questions, which is like, your b-side and why you chose it and also how you think about the b-side concept you've really kind of unpacked that beautifully so the third big question we like to ask is let's say you know you've inspired people to go read the diary of helena morley and they really do they love it it's their kind of thing so where else would you point them there's a book by harriet doer named called stones for ibarra written about um written about a mining town in mexico um and uh Harriet Doer was a was a wife of a mining engineer or or some American person who was visiting there, and it was written quite late in her life, like like very late, I think, maybe ninety yeah. or something. I can't remember when she wrote it, but yeah. she was she was it would, and it was sort of after a long life of being the wife of a mining engineer, and uh, yeah. So in a sense, there's a way in which she's, you know, you could see her as analogous either to Elizabeth Bishop in the introduction to um, the diary or me in my dissertation, you know, moments, right? It's a sort of younger version. Yeah. Um, and it's just, yeah. I just find it beautifully written and just really um, kind of captivating. That is great. Thank you so much. So, of course, we both hope that you're going to go out and read uh, the diary of Helen Morley and some Elizabeth Bishop and Stones from Ibarra. We also hope that you will consider buying B-side books from Columbia University Press. The agents are standing by waiting for your call. Um, but whether you do or not, we would definitely love to know your own thoughts about what makes for a great B-side. I mean, I think one of the great things about the concept is that every listener has a book or two or three that they would love to dredge out of the depths. So, um, Elizabeth, thank you so much for being guest host um, uh, Zenos today. And uh, it just remains for us to say that Recall This Book is sponsored by the Mandel Humanity Center. Um, music comes from Eric Chaslow and Barbara Cassidy. Sound editing by Naomi Cohen. Website design and social media by Nye Kin. If you enjoyed today's show, please tell your friends about us, forward it to them, 
write a review, rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. And definitely check out the other Recall This uh, B-Side conversations, Merve Emre talking about Natalia Ginsburg's The Dry Heart, Caleb Crane on a wonderful novel written by a nine-year-old, and more. There's, there's lots to discover. So from all of us here at Recall This Book, thanks for listening.